Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am a thistle sifter. I have a sieve of sifted thistles and a sieve of unsifted thistles, because I am a thistle sifter. I'm your host, Stephen Budra, and with me, as always, my wonderful co-host, Amy Thomason. Amy, how's it going? I'm doing well, and I can't top your tongue twister, so I will just... Of quietly applaud your efforts. No, oh, yes, yes, thank you, thank you. I will not even attempt to say that any faster because that will just be hilarious. The film this week is the 2010 Best Picture winner, The King's Speech, directed by Tom Hooper, starring the great Colin Firth, the equally great Jeffrey Rush, the stunning Helena, Helena Bottom Carter, Guy Pierce, Timothy Spall, and Michael Gambon, among many others. Um, so it's the 2000, it's 2010, eight years ago. What is your experience with this film? This movie I really saw in a traditional way. It came out, it was around Christmas time when all the Oscar-worthy movies tend to get put out, which is my favorite time of the year. And I saw it when it was in the theater and I really enjoyed it. Saw it on a date with my husband. Aww. Lovely, lovely. And this was pre-children when I had a chance to get more, get to the movies more frequently. Right. I remember those days. That was fun. I just... It was... It was. <sighs> ah, life. Passing us by, passing us by. Yes, uh, I, I too remember seeing this in the theater, although only once. I feel like I saw it like... 2000, yes. 2010, I remember just like being I was 27... Like, I saw some movies that year. And it was, uh, uh, as we will talk, it was a solid year for, for film. So I was, I, was. I, I, I was hitting the theater pretty hard. Unfortunately, because uh, I used to, I do, I kind of sort of do run a current movie review site called Same Night Movie Review. And haven't updated the site, but I do upgrade the Instagram because I'm lazy. But I lost all of the reviews from 2010. I'm like, fuck, that was oh, one of my most brutal. prolific years. It was like, I think like my computer got rained on because I was moving it. It's a the whole thing, anyways. But uh, I remember enjoying this movie. I think it yes. was definitely somewhere in my top ten. I don't think it was my number one. Because I bought it on DVD. I mean, it was DVD. one of those that I really enjoyed it. I recommended it to everybody, and I own it on DVD. And I believe it's on the Amy Thomas and Top 100 wow. as well. Is there is is that a, is that officially written down? Or yes. Is this just something you talk about because we because we should. No, I did something. actually sit and it, sit and write a list. And my dear friend Brian Hart's the one who wrote us the great review of uh, Sunset Boulevard. I also forced him to make his list. I will send it to you because I, I do actually have it. You know, I am glad we aren't doing this in person because I feel like you just like poke me, just like <laughs> constantly. You just like you just be like, so, so, Steve, where's the list? Where's the list? Or if we, God forbid, if we work together. Oh my lord, it sounds. Uh, Steve, Steve, my, and I have to give another shout to my beloved Brian. Brian and I are totally on the same wavelength. So for him, he was like, oh, such a daunting challenge, but. He enjoyed doing it, and I enjoyed reading his list, and then I sent him my list, and of course, then we had great discussions. Mm -hmm. This is what we enjoy. This is what we do for fun. So, 
Okay. It's so, not meant to be like a horrible task. It's meant to be enjoyable for people whose opinions I respect. I don't want to know everybody's top 100, but I true. respect you as a movie viewer. You make interesting points. So yes, I would like, you should take it as a compliment. Okay. Well, 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 thank you. Brian does the king. I'd be like, I can care less movies. You like, you have terrible taste. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But, uh, Brian, if you're listening, is the King's speech on your top 100? I'd be curious to hear about that. Don't tell me. Don't. don't. But his number one is 2001 A Space Odyssey. So. Oh, Brian, I like you. I like you, Brian. I think that might, that might be my number one as well. So the lion you and, and me, Brian. The lion in winter, he's a big fan of, and he loves he loves all the Kubrick films, especially 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yes, especially. But okay, moving, move, okay, moving on. Uh, let's just talk briefly one's history with Colin Firth. Uh, he is uh, he's oh, a he's God. a tra- he's a Did charming. Everyone hear me? I decide. Yeah, he's a char- one has to decide. <laughs> he's a charming man. He's a charming, talented actor to me, but. I uh, I feel like his charms are not always that effective to me because I'm a dude, uh, though I can appreciate him. So, what is the uh, Amy? What is your what is your uh, your female take on Colin Firth as both as, as as everything as everything I suppose? Well, here's the thing that I think people need to remember: when he first came out, and people like myself were introduced to him, he played in the movie Circle of Friends, and he wasn't. <gasps> Colin Firth, yeah, he was just this guy, and he plays this asshole who seduces this young Catholic girl, gets her pregnant, and abandons her. So that's the first impression of him. Right. Then you see him in Shakespeare in Love, where he's the gross guy that Gwyneth Paltrow is like forced to marry. So he's definitely not a heartthrob in that movie. He plays the cuckolded husband in The English Patient. So again, he's not dreamy hunky. He became the English Patient. He was. He played the Catherine Clifton's husband. Wow. Oh man. He's, Colin... he's the cuckolded husband. Yeah. Colin Firth. You have you been in three Best Picture winners? My word. My and word. then he was in what I think really was the movie that made him dreamy Colin Firth, which was he was in that BBC version of Pride and Prejudice and became Mark Darcy. And then every woman on the planet with an English degree <laughs> fell madly in love with him because he. He's he's a handsome man, but I think it was that Mr. Darcy that made everybody swoon. And then and after that, he started playing the one that women want to get with, Bridget Jones' Diary, which was based on his portrayal of that character. Yep. But yeah, he was the guy in he was the gross guy in Shakespeare in Love. He was the gross guy in the Circle of Friends. He was the gross guy in English Patient. So now he's a stud. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was it was Circle of Friends, then Pride and Prejudice, then okay. English Patient. So I imagine Pride and Prejudice was the one that got him the English Patient, Shakespeare yes. in Love. Yeah, and he's been. He, but yeah, he yeah. played the cuckold husband. He didn't play the the stud. Yeah, and quite often he he doesn't. I mean, even Bridget Jones' Diary. Yes, he's very handsome, but he's up That's against good. Hugh Grant, who is much more traditionally. Well, he's well, yeah, traditionally handsome, but Hugh Grant is uh, is charming as all hell. Uh, yes, which which, he is. which, which, and which like, is why he was perfect in the role in the Bridget Jones diary. Oh yeah, he's great. I he's goofy and hot and everything. I he's really in. I really love those movies. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, he's just he's just one of these actors. You're like, oh, he elevates all of the uh, all of the work he is in. Even mm-hmm. mom, even Mamma Mia, which is a movie that I'm like, I know this is a bad movie, but I, I, like, really, I, I, I like I like it too. It's just uh, I love Colin Firth. I love that he is sort of he's taken on. He's become 
Like when I when I if I when I read Pride and Prejudice, I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's like I'm picturing Colin Firth really. And He's I, like Clark Gable in Rip Butler. Like you can't you can't separate them now. No, you cannot remove the role from the actor. He makes it so iconic. And he's just yes. great. And he won an Oscar for this. And we're going to tell you all about it after this short break. Wow. What an incredible, incredible honor. And what an amazing year for film. To be with those other films in that category is just absolutely incredible. Um, Tom Hooper, you put so much passion and love into every frame of this film. Tom. Oh, sorry. Yeah, hi. <laughs> um, thank you, directing the film. Um, to our acting royalty, Colin, Jeffrey, Helena, thank you so much for saying yes. To our amazing Best of British crew, it's so amazing to share the stage with you tonight. Um, and to my parents and uh, to my boyfriend, Ben, you... Um, Help me every day do what I do. Thank you. To have been part of a to have been part of a film that's touched and moved people so much all around the world has been just a, a huge privilege, and we're indebted to everyone standing behind us. And you know, our, our financiers took a huge risk on this film. It's not an obvious film to to back. Uh, to our distribution partners, the Weinstein Co Company, Harvey and Bob Weinstein, uh, Momentum Pictures and Transmission Films for your passion and commitment to this film. The UK Film Council. Aegis Film Fund, Molinaire, Film Nation. Thank you to all our financiers uh, and personally to my wife, Caroline, and my parents, Brian and Jean, for your love and support. My little boys, Milo, Zach, and Sai. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, oh, I'll be really, really quick. Um, sorry, just a massive thank you to the UK Film Council for supporting this film. Um, and David Sider for trusting us with uh, uh, his heartfelt story. Rosie, I love you. Simon, for thank you for supporting me over the years. But mostly, thank you, Academy. This is a boyhood ambition come true tonight. The 83rd Annual Academy Awards were held on February 27th, 2011. They, this was the show hosted by James Franco and Anne Hathaway, largely seen as one of the worst-hosted shows in the history of the Academy Awards, which is a shame, as I really look forward, I, lo I was looking forward to this, I like them both, I think having younger actual actor hosts would be a great thing, but Franco kind of, he just slept, walked through the whole thing, and Hathaway felt like nervous and kind of just, he was not, she was very uncomfortable on that, which is a shame, because I, I think that kind of it ruined it ruined this idea of a of two hosts for a long time to come uh, afterwards. So, uh, anyways, not just about that. The King's Speech won four Academy Awards that night: Best Picture and what else? Best Actor for Mr. Colin Firth, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. Yes. Tom Hooper picked it. Picked it up, as did David Seidel. <clears throat> did I say Tom Seidel? A David Seidel for best original screenplay. Uh, it is based on uh, true stories, but it it takes many liberties. So it was, you know. Anyways, we'll, we can talk about that at some other point. It was nominated for uh, uh, eight other a awards. A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot of a lot of awards. Twelve total. What else? Best Supporting Actor for Jeffrey Rush. Of course. Best Supporting Actress for Helena Bonham Carter, who's also on my list of when is she going to get her Oscar because she's amazing and everything. 
Hmm. Cinematography, film editing, costume design, score, sound mixing, art direction. Excellent. Yes. Uh, as for Bonham, as for Helena Bottom Carter, I do agree she's great, but she has to stop picking Tim Burton movies. I know they they dated for a while because she does. She is very much a character actor, and her character mm-hmm. is Helena Bottom Carter. Basically, Bellatrix Lestrange all day, every day. But it was great to see her take that and do something a little different. She was, uh, she's very, she's very regal. Uh, I feel like she's underutilized a lot in this, but what she has, mm-hmm. she makes work very well. And you know, yes. Jeffrey Rush, really powerful scenes. Oh, yeah, it's great. And Jeffrey Rush, uh, who had won an Academy Award in 1996 for uh, Shine, which I believe is was his first major movie role. Yeah. He was kind of not really known. No, he was no, and he came in. And you're like, who is this guy? And you're like, oh, and now he's now he's Jeffrey Rush, and you go, yeah, of, of course he's won a he's won an Academy Award. Uh yeah, all solid nominations right there. Sound mixing for a film like this is really great because I mean I feel for Colin Firth having to come in and do the ADR. The, the additional the after, the after dialogue recording mm-hmm. on this one because it's such a a complex uh, it's complex sounds he has to make the uh, stutters mm-hmm. are really <clears throat> hard and I don't uh, I do not envy anyone who has to uh, who has to attempt that or and you know, uh, and Colin Firth does a does an excellent job on that one cinematography is actually very lovely editing works the art direction and costume design it's a period piece. With about British about British monarchy, of course it's going to be top notch and fabulous. So, King's Speech won Best Picture, but and I wrote this down. Hot damn, the competition that year Stiff. was phenomenal, absolutely great, so great. You know what? This is one. This is one of the ex- expanded uh, years that I have seen all of the nominees. Seen, I, I've seen most of them. I you know, I, you know honestly, I saw all of them before they were before they were nominated for best picture. If I if I remember, so go me. Yeah, yeah. What were they? What were they? One hundred and twenty-seven hours. Yes, with, with starring James Franco, he James became Franco. one of the one of I think three. Actors who were hosting the awards who were also nominated that night. Michael Caine is one of them. What else? Yes. Uh, Black Swan, which I saw several times in the theater. Yes. Inception, which I saw. Yes. The Fighter, which I haven't seen, but it's a David O. Russell movie with Amy Adams, which means it's on my list of things that I need to see. It's way, be- it's way better than American Hustle. Don't start with me, mister. <laughs> Anytime. I will see. Anytime I, will see I can I bring it up. It. Every, I, will, I will watch it and get back to you. The kids are all right with Annette Benning, who I just love, and I'm still waiting for her to get an Oscar. We all are. Oh the Social Network, which I saw after the Oscars. Toy Story 3, True Grit, and Winter's Bone. Yes. I remember... 2010 being one of those years where it felt like kind of like 1994 where the old is going up against the new you have the king's speech which is costumed and regal and very traditional traditional it's very it's what you might call an oscar bait movie completely uh, yeah and, 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 and we'll definitely talk about that going up against 
uh, young punk upstart the social network it was it was like all of these are great movies but it was really a fight a fight between the old guard with king speech and the new guard with the social network and i was rooting hard for the social network i saw that movie three times in the theaters mm. i love that movie yes folks we will be having a four-year reconsideration about the social network if not all of the movies of 2010. No, we can't do that. That's just way too many. But absolutely the social network. The social network picked up uh, three wins. Uh, uh, adapted screenplay to the uh, one and only Aaron Sorkin. Uh, best score for uh, Atticus uh, Ross. And best film editing as well. Uh, all very well deserved awards right there. And I... I'm still I, still a little mad about this, given that, granted that, I, I host a show called Oscar Watch, where we watch Best Picture winners, and, you know, that, in that, that is really the only thing that it affects, it's like, which, which movies we're going to watch, but damn, I would have loved to have, I would have loved to have said The Social Network is Best Picture winner. Uh, sadly, it was not to be, this was before the kind of changing of the guard that is recently going on with the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences in terms of membership, but I think had it been released today and been up for, if this, if all of these movies were up for the award today, I think The Social Network would have climbed out on top in the end. But alas, alas, it did not. Uh, a lot of these, have you seen Winter's Bone? Actually. <clears throat> I, I've seen Winter's Bone, Black Swan, Inception. Most of the kids are all right. The Social Network, Toy Story, and True Grit. Okay, so you've seen you've seen you've seen most of them. Like all of these have great things. Winter's Bone. Uh, it's Jennifer Lawrence's first movie. And again, she's... the new. I mean, you have Annette Bening nominated several times. She's been in several excellent films, Oscar winners. Up against you know Natalie Portman, Portman. who's younger but very established. She's yeah, yeah, she's. Work. And then you have Jennifer Lawrence in Winter's Bone and Haley Stanfield in and True Grit, Grit, and they're very young, fresh, up and coming. So right. in a lot of the categories, you had that that mix, which I think is interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Jennifer Lawrence would go on to win for Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, Haley Stanfield, uh, she hasn't done she did the Pitch Perfect movies, a couple other things, but she's also great. Uh, this was uh, this was in the year of Inception, the uh, mind-bending Christopher Nolan film. He did if he was not nominated for director for best director, and I at the time I was like, "What does Christopher Nolan have to <laughs> fucking do to get nominated for best director?" He did some amazing shit. Tom Hooper, Tom Hooper is great. Tom Hooper, he is a very competent director. But honestly, when you have Colin Firth and Jeffrey Rush playing off one another, I feel like you don't have to do that much at all, no. except no, he's except got figure pros, out, man. Yeah, just just point the camera and let and let them do, and he does that. He lets the camera linger, which is which is fantastic. But with with Inception, you got you got uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt who has to act while in a turning room, and he has to fight people and he's getting this powerful performance out of Leonardo DiCaprio and Marion Cotillard and you're like what Academy what the fuck does he have to do he has to do Dunkirk apparently he has to make a movie about World War II yes he was actually nominated for screenplay for Inception uh you know lost out to uh to 
the King speech as well. But God damn it, Inception is so good. <laughs> it's so good, people. Why? Why? Come on. Anyways, um, and yeah, and Toy Story three became the third animated film nominated for Best Picture alongside Beauty and the Beast back in nineteen. 19- 90 and up the year before, I believe. And it, of course, won Best Animated Motion Picture that year. Of course, we will be talking about that at a later date. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, was a sol- it was a solid Oscars. Maybe not host-wise, but I, it, was, it was fun to watch. It was and fun to watch. Black Swan is a great movie. Black Darren Swan is a great movie? who has always done interesting, riveting Thought-provoking films never won an Oscar. David O. Russell with The Fighter. That's another really great movie. Never, mm-hmm. You know what I'm never, saying? Yeah. So it's, it's like all of these big, great directors that have such a clear, unique, interesting style all nominated against each other. Right. And Tom Hooper. The Coen Brothers with True Grit. I right. mean, like, these aren't little flunky directors. These are all major, major players. Right. 127 hours, Danny Boyle won previously for the Slum Slumdog Millionaire. Like it's uh it's pretty David Fincher directed the social network. David Fincher uh, who made Fight Club, Seven, Zodiac. Zodiac great, was a great again, fucking movie. Great movies. Not a not a loser in the bunch. Right. So great that Martin Scorsese made a great movie called Shutter Island that year, and he was not even nominated for shit. That's a, it's a fine I movie. Have, it's not the it's not the best. It's not the best Scorsese, but it's I like solid top notch. Who really who said Shutter Island for them was the movie that made them all of a sudden be like, wow, Leonardo DiCaprio, he can act. What is, what evidence did did he was he not acting in anything else? Really, this that was the movie. Dear, this is a dear friend of mine that I refer to as the ball breaking jackass. Oh, and I say this with love. He's like a brother. We're going on. We're all families are taking trips together this summer. But okay, yes, this fun. guy really likes to break my balls. But he likes Shutter Island. Oh well, there you go. Uh, also, what else came out? What were some other uh, movies that struck your fancy that year? I didn't really. I just seeing this list. I was like, this is my list of <laughs> just amazing the, the... years. I can't even think of anything else that came out that year. Okay, Black well, Swan. I saw more than once in the theater. That Black, one. Black Swan. Like, good, good stuff. Me. And also, I saw so many costumes the next year of women in the Black Swan outfit. I'm like, okay, it's 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 crossed over. It's crossed over. <laughs> well, it was uh, additionally a great year for uh, you know actiony sort of fun movies. You had the Disney movie Tangled. Oh, I love that so much better than Frozen. (laughs) I love the relationship with her mother, how she's running because she's free and she's happy, and then she cries because she feels so guilty. (laughs) All women have been there. (laughs) Uh, You had The Town, uh, the Ben Affleck-directed film, the the predecessor to Argo. Great. How to Train Your Dragon, also great. I think that, that that could put in a good word for beating Toy Story 3. Tron Legacy. Great looking movie, terrible. Iron Man two, kind of fun, kick ass, amazing breakdown of the comic book movie genre. The Expendables, The Book of Eli, Harry Potter, and Deathly Hallows, A Team, Easy A, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Now those are all a lot of fun movies. There was a fun, it was a fun time at the at the cinema that mm-hmm. year, especially with you know Easy A. I gotta say, Easy A was very hey, cute. It's great. Emma, th- Emma that, Stone. That was, that was like Emma Stone announcing herself, being like, "I'm here." I ain't going away, and bitch, guess what? I'm going to win an Oscar in a couple years. And she did, and she did. But there are two movies that came out that 
just it, they they move in close and then they just like shivya. They just cut right in and they pull you out and they rip out your guts. And that's Blue Valentine, or my man, oh. my man Ryan Gosling, which just devastates you, devastates you. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't. Don't watch it if you've just had a fight with a oh, little Oh, God. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. And uh, a great movie directed by uh, Mark Romanek starring Andrew Garfield uh, based on the um, Ishigori, someone's novel, Never Let Me Go. And I don't know if you've ever uh, seen that. Yes, Ishiguro. Yeah, Ishiguro. It's, uh, it's a wonderful movie that I, I didn't get enough uh, didn't get enough press because it's really worth your time to check out. I think it's and uh, it's a major book. Didn't the guy just win a Nobel Prize? Uh, I, think, I, think so. I think so. Yeah. And, it's, and it's this great subtle science fiction novel. I'm like, what is happening? Like, oh, because I like I never read the book, yes. but I just saw the movie. I'm like, shit, this is oh my god, I can't. I don't know what to feel about this. I'm gonna go cry for for a little bit. Uh, so in 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 summation, 2010. Baller year in in movies. Uh, one of the, I think, the best since 2007, which was a great year. And it's that's saying something because it happened so soon afterwards. And we're going to yes. take a break and we're going to talk about the King's Speech finally right after this. Lock me in the tower. I would if I could. On what charge? Fraud. With war looming, you've saddled this nation with a voiceless king. You've destroyed the happiness of my family, all for the sake of ensnaring a star patient you couldn't possibly hope to assist. It'll be like mad King George III. Probably mad King George the Stammerer. Who let his people down so badly in their hour of need... What are you doing? Get up! You can't sit there! Get up! Why not? It's a chair. No, it, that is not a chair. That is... That is... That is St. Edward's chair. People have that carved their names on it. chair is the seat on which every king is held and in queen... by a large rock. That is the stone of Schoon. You are, are trivializing oh, you everything. You trivialize... I don't care how many royal assholes have sat Listen to me! Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? By divine right, if you must. I am your king. No, you're not. You told me so yourself. You said you didn't want it. Why should I waste my time listening Because to you? I have a right to be, oh, and I what? have a voice! Yes, you do. Amy, please remind everybody what the King's Speech is all about. King George VI, becoming mm -hmm. King George VI, and working on his elocution. And that's very simplified, but there you go. I like the very simplified approach. Yes, uh, King George VI, played by Colin Firth, is uh, surprisingly, uh, he ascends the throne after his brother, King Edward V, abdicates, and he is forced to, and he has to lead the country in a time of war. Uh, how much of history are you aware, especially British history, in, in that of the monarchs? Pretty aware. I don't know everything, but... This is like one of those many movies that as soon as I went home, I did like, you know, research and read all the articles <laughs> and looked it up. And one thing I found really interesting, which is maybe not interesting to all, but the guy, uh, 
Lionel Logue was actually a very, very handsome, handsome man. Are you saying Jeffrey they, Rush is not handsome? You who says I Jeffrey Rush is very attractive, attractive in I think he's quills. But people who knew Lionel Loke said he was like a Paul Newman movie star hmm. type of attractive. And I, I found that really interesting. I knew about the abdication because I always found that really interesting. And what fascinates me is that your perspective when you're a little girl and you hear that, oh, he gave up the throne for the woman he loves. Isn't that romantic? What a guy. And then you get older and you learn about what kinds of people they really were and how he really screwed over his entire family and and his country. And his country. And he was like, oh, you're a Nazi it's sympathizer. Not, but, and not just like, oh, Hitler, he has some good points. But he was like BFF with Nazis and hung out with them. Hello, traitor to his country. Yeah. It, so it, it, as you learn and you learn – that they're really not very nice people and that he was just kind of a dandy who wanted to live a cushy life and screwed over his whole family. And that is far less romantic. It is. It is. But it's not about Edward and Wallace uh, as much as we could go on and on about that. I love love their characters on The the Crown because, A, it's a good show, and B, I'm just like, ah, they're making him so nuanced, but I fucking hate this guy. And she's, like, of all the people to fall in love with, like, really? Really? All right, first, uh, to unpack... I think if you had, I think if you had uh, a Colin Firth and a Paul Newman character, the frame could not handle it. Like seriously, no. you need to have like Colin Firth is a handsome, handsome one. Jeffrey Rush is the is the funny one. But what makes it? Uh, this is a uh, this is an upstairs downstairs, a Downton Abbey, if you will, situation of the high and mighty mixing with the proletariat, and they each learn a valuable lesson about that. And uh, that's where the production design and all of that really shines in this movie. Uh, one thing I do, I, I, lo- I like like looking at this movie because whenever they, there's such this difference between all of the times when George is out with his family and he's in Buckingham Palace and it's all so beautiful and very well kept. Big. It's big and huge, but then you it's get white. to yeah. But then you get to Lionel's office, and the wallpaper is peeling. You feel kind of it's like it's cozy, but you, you're you're hemmed in by everything, and a lot of the action takes place inside that office, and it's uh, it's so much fun to watch them yes. bounce oh. around in there, and uh, that's where that's where that's where production design, art direction, and costuming can really it really helps tell the narrative of the story, and I think. Uh, one thing Tom Hooper does, he utilizes all the elements extremely well. You know, his his uh, his, act, his actors, obviously, his his production, his camera, everything is used to achieve this gr- this lovely little story. That it's a it's a subtle kind of not in your face directing, and I understand why they would give him the directors would give him best director because it, yes. you know, it's not is it. Inception, is it crazy? No. And you know, as much as I would have loved to see Christopher Nolan at least get a nomination for this, I understand the reasons for giving it to Tom Hooper. But But and I think that a lot of those movies do get so overlooked and it's so frustrating that doing a movie that can evoke such emotion that some people think, oh, well, that's not enough. Like unless it's an inception, it's that's right. it. Right. Remember, like, like, don't even consider it. And people, people were like this with, um, like Greta Gerwig basically having no shot at an Oscar this year for best director. And it's like, why she gave such 
got uh, such great performances. So moving. I don't know anyone who saw Lady Bird and wasn't affected by Laurie Metcalf and Sir Sharonin. But because it's not a Dunkirk, well, there you have no chance. Right. And that's and that kind of saddens me. Right. It is it is a it is a balancing act between the the technical craft of which Nolan excels and the and this get and getting a performance from the from the script you have which you know Hooper and and, and now and Gerwig also also excel like you have to like you really got to be both you got to be a technician you got to be an artist you got to be a man there's so much that goes into directing that we don't see we only see the finished product yes. and like well this guy made you know he told a lousy story it's like oh he had to think of all the decisions you make in a day for doing something now multiply mm-hmm. that by a thousand for every little for every little thing just, you know, to get the right emotion out of your actors make sure the mm-hmm. camera's there the lights are set the 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 wallpaper is saying what you need to what you need it to say the the there's a pr- the books on the shelf are all the correct ones that if people were to look evoke the right imagery and mm-hmm. spots it's 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 madness but certainly directing is way easier when you have a great script a great script and you have Colin Firth who yes. uh he but he's great in this all right this academy award that he won totally deserved He's, uh, you know, he's, uh, we talked about him. He's established. He's wonderful. Uh, I am someone who, despite having a podcast, I, in my youth, I actually used to stutter. It was a strange thing where in trying to recount stories and memories, I would kind of just like jump over the first word many times. And it became very annoying, very, uh, uh, very very emotional like subject for me. It's gone away, I think, in part because of this. Uh, but I have to I have to I have to give him credit for uh, his acting in this because doing a stutter is stupidly hard to do it and not in that uh, that uh, Adam Sandler today junior kind of kind of thing where it's so obvious. He like he he does this this the the mouth motions or he's like rolling his tongue around to get it it's and it's not just the repetition of the sounds and i noticed that uh and it kind of made me think back to the character in one flew over the cuckoo's nest who definitely did the, the repetition of yeah. the sound Billy before Bibber. he got it out with first it was like he was he couldn't get get the words out of his mouth right they were stuck and that in there was so and that was so heart-wrenching because it's not just i'm repeating i'm repeating but something's coming out it was like he was physically his jaw, like you said, his tongue, his jaw, everything was was all mixed up. And one of the things, just I wanted to not step on you before when you said oh, yeah, this, but 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 the little details when the um, George Birdie and um, his wife Mary were in the elevator, mm-hmm. and they don't really know how to use the elevator, and it's not this big huge thing, but it's very subtle. Of they're all of a sudden like on top of each other and they're like oh i i I think you need to to pull this and then the part that really kills me was such a little moment when he's outside in the lobby or whatever waiting for his appointment and the little boy comes out Uh and he's and the little boy doesn't know who he is and he's just like oh are you the next appointment and (laughs) just that that moment and you knew that King George looked at this boy like you were me. You know what I mean? It's like they had this connection, even though it's little boy 
king of England. But at that time, in that small little lobby, they're just people who have a problem that they need to work on. And it's it's such a little scene, but it just, it got me right in the heart. Yeah, it's, uh, Lionel's a great, uh, he knows how to play the situation to get the, uh, to to get the results. And And we'll talk about that, but there's, uh, I think for all the for all the bluster, you know the the speech itself, the titular speech at the end where he's uh, where George is announcing that hey we're going to war and and that's it. It's 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 great, but there's this the the moment that gets Firth the Oscar is he's in Lionel's office and Lionel is probing and questioning questioning him, and then he George starts discussing all of the little things that people, that his father, his family did to him to, to like, uh, to, to, to fix him, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to, uh, the corrections, I believe they're called. They fixed, you know, they so fixed awful. his knock, knock knees. They, you know, forced him to, you know, right, right, you know, right-handed and things like that. And it's just, he's, he's remembering it and you can hear the stutter kind of, kind of, kind of melting away just, Ever so slightly, and Firth is just—he's has this this look on his face that's just just heartbreaking. He's he's it's like it's like he himself is remembering this and suddenly realizing that oh yeah this maybe this isn't normal maybe this isn't good but I you know I'm too I'm too regal to really kind and, of want to admit to it. And the thing that's hard is that we watch it in 2010. Yeah. When it comes out, and everybody's in therapy, it's not a stigma anymore. Everybody's in therapy. Everybody's medicated. We have Twitter. We have Facebook. We have blogs. We have every single thing to know this weird thing that I have. There's a million people out there who are the same way, and I'm right. not alone. And this was someone who, this is in the 30s, and they're totally told to repress every single emotion they have because it's not about you. It's about the country. And so for him to let any of this out is so major. And when you were talking a bit about Lionel and how he gets him to do it is he has him painting that thing to take the foot. So we'll just talk and not just sit and face him. Right. And so he's, he's busy physically doing something which takes the attention off him somehow. It's, it, and it's hard. It's a hard thing to remember. Like I said, in this day and age, people don't understand that the royal family is about privacy, and that's what the wife said at the beginning. She's like, "Oh, we don't just pop in and, you know." <laughs> yeah, it's like we this, don't pop. <laughs> right. And, oh, bottom bottom card is great. Yeah, but he's yeah, but he's 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 pa- he's painting, and that's a that's a, that's a way because now he's not actively thinking about yes. what he has to say because when you're when you're a king, you have to. You have to measure every word. You have to. You have to always sort of be on. And here he's he's distracted. He's he's alone with, uh, with, in what and what he's alone with with family. And that's this is a great mm-hmm. moment in, in in Westminster when he says like, yes, no, he is family. He's going to be in that box. He'll be he'll be watching. Like yes, fantastic. But he's just he's finally he's finally not he's finally not thinking about his stutter. He's not thinking about all the things that are wrong with him because he's very he's very he's a very insecure man. He's the second, he's the second son of a very, very powerful and uh, you know authoritative man in uh, you know King Edward, uh, King George V, who is played by uh, Dumbledore, which is great. Who just has that voice? You're like, oh, it's like just velvet. You're like, 
I want to listen to you give the Christmas address all day long, sir. Um, and did you notice, you didn't mention this before, but the great Derek Jacoby playing the, yeah. uh, the, the, the guy priest. and the priest. And side note, in the 1970s, he was an I Claudius and played Claudius, who had a stammer as well. Yes. I'm, I'm sure that was not lost on Tom Hooper. And, you know, when you, not you know, lost when, on me. I uh, have all the I have the whole DVD collection of I Claudius. That is a long series. Hmm. It's we watch it every year in the winter time. It's like a Thomas and family winter tradition. Hopefully with, so, hopefully without the kids. Yes, without. Okay, the kids. I was just say like, huh? There's some stuff in I Claudius. That's the opening shot is naked dancers. Woo! There you go. There you go. Love the BBC. Love British works. Yeah, uh, but you know, Firth is nothing without Jeffrey Rush. This is the the Australian speech therapist who is unlicensed from he's, the colonies. From I the colonies, he's that. not he's not officially a doctor. I completely forgot about that. Um, what what makes this relationship between the two work so well among them? I think, first of all, just starting off with Jeffrey Rush. Okay. He is amazing, and I think he totally is an equal, almost physically, to Colin Firth. He's not like like they're equally physically matched. Okay, yeah, and they're both equally as powerful. I would have put Rush in the best actor category. Actually, I don't think he would have won, but he's not. I don't see him as a supporting role. I see them as like the movies. These two guys, like okay. he's the king. He's the guy who's helping him. Like it's. They're pretty much equals in the movie, I see it. But I love how he is so unconventional and how he's like, and how he really, even with, once he finds out he's royalty, he's like, well, sorry, this is how we're going to do it. You're going to come here. I'm going to call you Birdie. And if yeah. you're not into it, then that's too damn bad. And I have other patients, so. My house, my rules. My house, my rules. And I love that. And because all the other doctors were so, traditional and doing the stupid marbles in your mouth, which is yeah. a guy in my fair lady does that too, but he does get him to relax. And he says, I'll make you successful. And he never, never lowers himself. Even when, um, I'm trying to think of it. I can't, I've like lost my brain for yeah, my thinking fine. for a second, but you know, with, with the money and I'm going to call you, birdie and things like that and he doesn't um defer to him no he, you know what I'm saying? yeah he doesn't he doesn't treat him like the prince and eventual yes. king of england he treats him as anyone else which i think colin firth while he bristles at it at first because yes. he's used to being deferred to, to yeah he's he's one of the two princes of what the last like one of the last constitutional monarchies in the world like he's He's used to get, kind of getting his way, sort of in, in the in the way that monarch, monarchs do get their way. But Bert, Jeffrey Rush, Lionel, does not. He's like you're a person who is broken, mm-hmm. who has issues, and we need to fix them. And it, you can be a king, you can be the boy down the street. It doesn't matter. We can all be fixed the same way. And now I remember he doesn't. Um... Loses cool when he's like, you're not a doctor and, and you're not this and you lied. He's like, no, I didn't. 
He's like, it doesn't say it, it. There's no letters after my name. I never said I could do any of that. Right. And he doesn't feel ashamed. He doesn't feel, oh my gosh, I've let him on. Nothing. He doesn't even get defensive. He's like, I never said any of that. You inferred all that. Right. I'm still helping you. And I did help you. So are you ready to like move on with the lesson or not? The moment I always thought was Colin Firth's little Oscar moment was when Jeffrey Rush sits in the throne of King Edward or whatever. Yeah. And he turns around. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, uh, sitting in a chair. He's like, it's not a chair. That's King Edward Stone. He's like, oh, I know. It has everybody's name on it. And he's like, I deserve that. And he says, when he goes, I have a voice. Yeah. And I'm like, I do. I get a little choked up. And he's like, yes, you do. Yes. And it kills me. I also love the scenes where the boy, where he's doing all the Shakespeare for his sons. Right. Because he just loves Shakespeare so much. And the son's like, it's Othello. Oh, you it's, always it's always Othello. Othello. It's like, no, yes. it's the Tempest. You're like, what's the next and line? He has, the, has the scarf around his neck. And it's just, I was like, that's how I want to be. I want to go around and have, quote Shakespeare and have my kids be like, oh, mom, that's measure for measure. Duh, you always do that. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm so brilliant and I know all the Shakespeare. I in my it. mind, that in my mind, that's how my households will be. It's yeah. not, but... No, no. Uh, I do like the because this could have easily been because it's a movie called The King's Speech. Could have easily just focused exclusively on Colin Firth, and so and then Jeffrey Rush would only show up when Colin Firth is there. It's like it, it's mm -hmm. it makes sense in that context, but the little things where you see Jeffrey Rush, he's he's auditioning, and his his uh, his diction is so good that it's actually a detriment to playing Richard the Second. Is 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 really nice, and th and those asides with his family add. And when he's like, "Oh, I've known it. I've, I I know this part. I've played it so many times," and you believe it because like, he's Jeffrey Rush. Like, like of course, like of course he has. Like he is, he is obviously a royal Shakespeare company. And of course actor. they walk around, do it, and the kids are like, "God, Dad!" Like, yeah, they're just so <laughs> like, "Ah, oh, Dad's so lame," but they love him. It's like th those I those little it. bits of those little bits of family life. I think add a for at least certainly for us the bit of. All right, we're we're taking a step out of this mm -hmm. intense family family drama, the abdication and all that, and just going. All right, here's just a, here's a regular family doing regular things, not having to worry about all of this world-ending. And in and in contrast to um, King George's private life, where you know that's all he wanted to do, he wants to live in that house. And when he tells the story about the penguins to his little munchkins oh, at the beginning of the so movie, cute. it's so cute. And I love his relationship with his wife. It's not billed as a romance, but you can see the real love. Yeah. When she kneels down next to him and she's like, you know, I didn't want to marry you the first two times. And it's not because I didn't love you. I didn't want a public life. I just wanted to be with you. And that she gave up. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's. They all got screwed right. big time by a selfish Nazi. By a selfish Nazi. In the snide comments that Wallace Simpson would make about their family. Oh, yeah. She had nicknames for all of them. Oh, it's terrible. They're, 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 they're the worst. But, but I, I do go, I mean, I, they do seem to like each other. And I guess terrible people deserve love, too. Like, like fucking Hitler had a girlfriend, so... Yeah, he did. Whatever. But, but but they really, that chemistry and, oh, when he would try to give the speech and you could see her, like, trying yeah, to support him and smile and you just saw her heart rip out because, and one thing, and I brought this up before, but 
you know, I have a child with a disability. So when you see your child struggle like that, it is, it's heart wrenching. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, come on, you can do it. You can it's do so... it. It's, and it's... then when they do, when they have them, when I see Elena get up and like walk across the room, I'm like videotaping it. And every single person in the yeah. world knows that yeah. she did this great thing because she's amazing. <laughs> Kids are, you kids do. Are. You have those moments of, of heartbreak. It, 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 and 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 that moment of triumph when she's they're listening at the yep. to the radio on at the end during the speech, and her heart is just lifted because he you know, he, he he nails it. He, he nails mm-hmm. it in his his Colin Firth way. I'm like I'd follow that man into war. Not that he's actually leading any battles. He has but it no wasn't real so miraculous that it seemed fake. You know right. what I mean? It's like he's still. He got through it and he did really well, but it's not like all of a sudden he's, you know, Martin Luther King, the great orator, which right. was really, really good on Tom Hooper's part and Colin Firth. Oh yeah. That that's, that's, I do, I do, I do like the comments like where Lionel makes like, yeah, you, you missed a couple of W's like, well, I had to make, make, make sure they knew it was me. So. Oh, and the line about you, I've heard that with royalty, you have to wait for the royal person to speak first. And he's like, but people waiting for me would would take for a, would be a waiting for a long time. time. Wow, way to bungle a line there. But it was a great line. It was a great line. Um, there's more going on under this movie than just a one man's search for his voice. Uh, this is the lead up to World War Two. Uh, Germany has been just making you know aggressive stances. By the end, Germany has invaded Poland and Britain has officially declared war on Germany. But what the vo- what the Colin Firth finding his voice because he is the uh the, the titular head of the country though he has no real power he sort of represents the people in some sort of weird very non-democratic way and it's you know tradition and, and it goes back but uh so we have a country Great Britain that had was demoralized by the Great War some 20 years later, and they've been haunted by that. And the prospect of another, especially against such a um, terror, terrorizing, uh, horrible opponent, is the you know Hitler and the early days of the Blitzkrieg and all that, it's, it's, it, it makes you, it makes the country itself stutter. It makes them give yes. pause and think like, I don't know what to do. And in finding and in having the story of of King George VI find his voice. That's it's not only finding the voice for the king, it's finding the the courage for the country itself. And that's where I think that's what George's journey represents and that's what makes this just it could have just easily been a feel good inspirational movie and it is. It's it's fine. It's fine. It's lovely. But there's the, that undercurrent of this means a little bit more to the people at the time that I think really puts it into the awards consideration and helps dri- drive this over the top. Yes, that as triumphant as it is, it definitely leaves on a uneasiness because we know what's about to come. Yeah, we do. And I think the music during that part was really powerful. And I think the scenes of all the different people you know, the workers crowding around the radio and the factory and the families and the countryside and stuff all listening to it. Yeah. It was just all of it, the little montage, the way he gave the speech, but that sense of, and at the end, um, 
Stanley Baldwin yeah. resigning his posts and then him talking to Winston Churchill, who's still not even um, prime minister right. yet. He's, he's first Lord of the Admiralty at, the, at this point. Yes. He will still not, not even be prime minister until Chamberlain uh, resigns as well at the end. He was a real winner. Oh, he, he was, he was. But it would, it would be funny to see King's speech and then go to Darkest Hour with you know Churchill then yeah. just then just watch Dunkirk to see what's happening, and I think also last year there was a movie called Their Finest, which took place roughly around the same age. You can get mm-hmm. you can see so much of World War II British history from the movies, like chronologically. They may not be the most accurate because you know certainly in this movie uh, you have Churchill who was for abdication when in reality he was wildly against abdication. But uh, the, the the reasons being. Yeah, everyone knows who Churchill is. Nobody knows who this Baldwin character is. Let's mm-hmm. just let's just give it the shorthand, and it's fine. It's a, it's a drama. It's a dramatization of actual events, anyways. So it's uh, it's there's a, there's, a, there's a lot more going on going on underneath. It's well acted. It's uh, the, the I, we got to talk about the music. Uh, Alexander Desplat, recent Academy Award winner, Alexander Desplat, who won for The Shape of Water. He gives a great score. What do you, uh, what do you, what do really? you make of it? What, like, how did that feel to you? It kind of pumps me up. Like I said, one of the things I remembered about that final scene was that pulsing. So I'm not a music person, mm-hmm. so I'm going to describe it the best that's, that that's... I can. But there's a pulse to the music, and it starts to get louder and builds up, and it shows the country, and it all works. It all works it swoons it, it starts out small and gets big because it this does. is a it's a small movie that gets big we finally see the world outside of Lionel and not and in that. an obnoxious way because you notice it but it's not so over the top it's not my freaking heart will go on from titanic no but which is, is distracting and it's terrible well <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a little it's a little bit disturbing. it comes mostly towards that's towards the very yeah. very end of the movie when but all, this all said throughout and it sounds very british and it sounds very royal and yeah i have I, that too very regal so well like if they're gonna write a march that guy should write a march oh he could he could totally write a march yeah absolutely we had mentioned earlier or we i had mentioned earlier that this movie can be classified as oscar bait I want to take a few moments to talk about what is in your mind, having seen a lot of Best Picture winners now, what up, thank you, what is an Oscar bait movie? A movie that almost seems made and designed to win Oscars, if I was going to just put it bluntly. Um, usually, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be big. Big, 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 big. Big, 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 big. Okay. I think like it like the year Titanic came out it was big it had big music it had big actors it had a big set it had everything and it won over a quote unquote smaller movie like as good as it gets which wasn't this big movie but I think is a better movie mm-hmm. um a lot of times it'll deal with uh a character coming over a great obstacle like I would think movies in my brain that are more traditional Oscar best pictures are like Ben-Hur, Lawrence of Arabia, Bridge on the River Kwai, The so, King's Speech, so, so Lord I'm, of the Rings, Return yeah. of the King, mm-hmm. big movies. All right, so I, I hear long movies that 
uh, probably take place in the past. And are with, dramatic. Dramatic with costume with lots of yeah. costumes. The, the the design of the films themselves are are pretty great, and maybe a bit a bit stuffy at times. Yes. Like 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 there will be there will probably be some British guys or girls in there taking in care a, of this. In a, in a score by Maurice Jarre, <laughs> because of course. Yes. Yeah. It's. We all, we all, we do complain about the movies that like win Oscars. Like, oh, of course this movie won Oscar because look at it; it's this you know, stuffy period piece from. But like, I don't have a problem with those movies. Other some people have problems with those movies. Sometimes they're very, very well earned, and sometimes they're not. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Lawrence of Arabia oh, very versus wallet. Titanic. Right. Lawrence of Arabia, one of the greatest movies ever made. Titanic. You know, somebody whatever. kill me. Right, but but yeah, but but even the year before Titanic, we had the, you had the English Patient win, which is uh, swooning and and you know epic, and it's based well, on a book. Africa, of war. Yeah, out of World Africa. War World War Two is a pretty safe bet. Oh yeah, if you want to win an Oscar, always is. It's well, we could feel good about ourselves for for once. Americans are war. heroes. It's a safe position to pick. It is. It is. Uh, I, I'm certain th this is a question we'll, we'll come back to over and over again, especially as we see as we see more and how the tastes have shifted over the over the years. Like certainly now, like I don't know what an Oscar bait movie is now because the latest Best Picture winner had a fish man and a mute woman having sex. And I yes, internet. I know it's more than that. It's just kind of funny that this is that you can have that in your movie and still win Best Picture. Whereas that kind of feels unthinkable, uh, even mm -hmm. in, even in two thousand ten. So in two thousand ten, Dunkirk would have won. I have no doubt in my mind that. And if it was narrowed down to five, a lot of the, I don't think some of these would have even been on there. Okay, well, you know, I, if we're going to narrow it down to five, okay, it's uh, King's Speech, Social Network, Black Swan. Who else was nominated for director that year? We'll oh on, no, I was I was thinking about it in. in 20 uh before that oh, okay the year that like the english patient came out and oh, stuff okay. oh. like some of the movies wouldn't have even been on the list true true dad okay well just, well just call me by that. your name would not have been nominated for best picture no no it wouldn't but it's a bit it's a business but uh there's there's another thing what makes an oscar bait movie certainly from about 1996 to just about september what was it September of last year? Harvey Weinstein. Uh, uh, I was going to say Tom Hanks. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Harvey Weinstein. This is a Weinstein Company production. He yes. is a prolific Oscar. Uh, he, 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 he plays the game, played the game played. Better, better than most. And let us not... Let us not diminish the this movie through because of the allegations of its executive producer. Uh, he, I'm, I'm, there are so there are so few female roles in this in this film that I doubt there he had much to do with it. And certainly Helena Bonham Carter is not going to take any of his shit at all. Oh. It's, uh, but 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 it it is it is worth it is worth noting. All uh, the many, many Weinstein productions and Miramax productions that have won over the years, because not necessarily on the strength of the film itself. There, are, he, they make Shakespeare. They make they make good movies. They, like Shakespeare in Love is a good movie. They make good movies, but it there is when we think of best, 
we think of like the most uh you know the best made the most entertaining sometimes even like the movie that made the most money but a lot of times it comes down to the force of personality of the people who are running the campaigns and nobody did it better than harvey weinstein back in the day and uh, i'm looking i'm hopeful for the future that with the new with the way the academy is shifting how they they kicked him out that maybe we will see it it will become less about the personality and more about the actual movie itself uh in terms in, ter- in terms in terms of winning and like i know like you, you got there's a game to be played and you got to play it but maybe it should be maybe the, the the game part should not be as weighted as heavily weighted or more heavily weighted than the than the movie part because we're trying to honor the best in entertainment and in, 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 in arts and in, in storytelling and the, really the story should should speak louder than the voices yes honoring it um, which which does bring us to to final thoughts on the king speech so amy thompson did the king speech in 2010 deserve best picture that year I'm going with yes. Okay. And I'm looking at some of these movies. I mean, I saw Black Swan more than once in the theater, and that's an amazing film. True Grit, very well done. The Social Network, wonderful and an interesting way to make a – I mean, when you hear, oh, they're going to make a movie about Facebook, my first question was, how would one even do this? And then they made a movie about something that seems almost unfilmable and made it not just interesting but – compelling yeah that being said i'm still going with the king's still going with the king's best picture i am going to politely disagree with you i think this is a fine movie king's speech is a great single it's a single serving movie and we've talked about this in the past where it's okay if a movie you just see it and that's it and you get all you need out of it there's a little more going on underneath the king's speech and that's fine uh, it's got some. It's got some uh, great moments. It's got some funny lines. I like the, for instance, the line of, you know, these these men were knighted. And Jeffrey Rush goes, well, makes it official then, and talking about yes! how, talking about their their idiocy. Like that's it's brilliant. It's quippy. It it is it is made to win Oscars. You think of this, you're like, oh, of course, it's it, it's going to do that. But um, it's triumphant and inspiring. But we do use the factor of time here on the show. Uh, and it it's just that it's still just that it's just fine it doesn't it doesn't resonate with the world today it's a lovely movie and i i i, I do so much enjoy revisiting it uh it but it doesn't it doesn't last in the same way as the social network it doesn't cha- the social network challenges you it 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 is a movie about awful people kind of just just trying to trying to eke out an existence mm-hmm. and trying to find a success in the backstabbing of the trail it's like on a it's on another level just like it's harder to get into and that but that makes what you get so much better it's uh it's a great movie that i love revisiting so uh so much and i think it's a much more profound and important choice for the long run, for 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 mm-hmm. eight years from now, I think like eight years from 2010, Social Network is the superior film. In 2010, I totally get it. I get why mm-hmm. we're we're voting for the King's Speech. You know, it's 
your mom will see this movie. You will take your mom yes, to see this movie. Your because, mom's gonna love oh, it. My mom loves this movie. It's got and Colin. It's shout so out to British. my mom. Yeah, it's so British. You got you know Colin Firth, who's a good guy. You got Jeffrey Rush, who's a good guy. There's there's like the swearing that uh, there is is in this one great scene where Colin Firth just goes off swearing because you actually use different parts of your brain for swearing than you do for yes. language, and it's great. But the so like I, the social network is. Uh, is like that is a high watermark for film in this in this this de- this entire decade. I think uh, it will we'll, we'll look back and go that was one of the best movies of the last ten years. Come twenty twenty, I think if we're going with that, however, and not one that I would have picked, I would say Inception would be the same way because people are still all about Inception. Oh yeah. People, they made an entire show called Falling Water. That's you know what I'm saying? Inception. I would say Inception, if you're going to pick possibly more than one, I would say Inception, even maybe a little more than the social network. Cause people are still like it's the greatest know. movie ever made. It's not so Maybe not us, but I'm just saying, and I wouldn't pick it as a best picture winner, but I just, from what I've heard. Okay. All right. But heard I'm, on the blogs, a lot of people are still super about Inception. Good. Good. They should be. I'm. I'm One twenty-seven hours. Yeah. Black Swan, which I loved, n- not so much. But Inception, because I think that movie really, that and The Dark Knight really kicked off the Christopher Nolan fanboys. It really did. Inception's so are good. very loud. <laughs> Inception's such a great movie. We'll 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 definitely revisit that. It's a great movie about making movies. There's this whole theory about how it's actually about Christopher Nolan working through some stuff. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that no, King's Speech did not deserve. I do I get it, of course, but I don't think it I don't think it deserved best picture. I think social it's like networks, all about Eve. It's like all about Eve. All about Eve's a great movie. Was it at the enduring classic of that year? No. Yeah. No, no, it was not. I think I, I think we should have switched it. It should have been Social Network gets four, King Speech gets three, and, and have it at that. But would you still have Colin Firth as best actor? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh definitely. He, you wouldn't have gone with Jesse Eisenberg. No, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg's got some time. Colin Firth, he needed that now. He's great, and he's, he's overdue. Um, yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. Uh, I know we don't always do, we don't always uh, don't always disagree on this one, but I got. I knew this was gonna happen. I was thinking about this last night in my preparation. I said, I bet this is gonna be the one where there's gonna be a little, little bit of okay. Split. Which is not to say but I, I, I like yeah. the traditional Oscar movies though. So I'm yeah. like a, I'm an old fossil that some of not all of them, but some of them I'm like people are like ah oh, the king's like with. When you just said it's not a movie that you revisit, I'm like, I watch it a lot, actually. I really but, liked which, it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a different – it's a it different – it, it is. I, you just want – Movies are subjective. They affect people different ways. Exactly. It just – I like, I, like I like seeing the, the, uh, the up-and-comers just trying, to, just, try, just trying to break through. I do think the social network, by not winning Best Picture, that elevates its, its status a bit more. Because a lot, like a lot, a lot of a lot of films that that fall like Goodfellas, not not winning Best Picture. That, Fargo. It, it makes it a little like, oh, yeah. why? And it, you, you can have this Who perpetual. Who talks about agreement. the English patient anymore? No Nobody. one talks about Nobody the English patient. About the Fargo is still. They, they just made a show. A TV show. Made a really great TV show about Fargo. Goodfellas. No one talks about Dances with Wolves. But if you mentioned, but like my husband was getting ready to shine his shoes on his way to an interview, and I was said. 
get your fucking get out shine, your fucking shine box. box. And the bit with the garlic, with oh. the razor, when they're in jail, everybody knows that it doesn't matter that it didn't win Best Picture. No. God, that's a great movie, but it's, I'm going to stop there. Yeah, we're we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about all of that. So we're, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Right now, what do you think, audience? Do you think the King's Speech deserved Best Picture? Should it have been The Social Network or something else? Do write us an email at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at oscarwatchpod. Tell us your thoughts, your opinions on 2010. The You can talk about 2010, the movie, if you want. That's great. 2010, the year, anything. We love hearing from you guys. Amy Thomason, where can folks find you to discuss? A Thomason 11 at Twitter. Awesome. Folks, we are going to be hanging out in 2010 for a while. Next week, we'll be discussing a, a sort of dual award. It's for your reconsideration and the best animated movie of that year, Toy Story 3. And we'll definitely, and after that, we'll be taking a look at the foreign language winner in a better world. And then probably go to the social network, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So yes, I hope you so bring out your what was happening in 2010 i don't remember but just do it get ready settle in we'll be that we'll be there to guide you along the way back with toy story next week and until then we'll see you on the red carpet